Welcome to the History Tricks, where any resemblance to a boring old history lesson is purely coincidental. Hello, and welcome to part two of our coverage of Lucille Ball. We took you, in part one, from her birth in New York State in 1911, through her childhood, her modeling career, and her early film and radio careers. When we last saw Lucille Ball, she had just had a baby daughter and had a pilot picked up for television. And so, we take up her story here with the beginning of that TV show, I Love Lucy. I kind of want to sing the song. Do it. I can't. <laughs> I don't have the words in front of me. Da, 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 da. That isn't even right. I'll play it at the end. Oh, good. So before filming, there has to be casting. And Lucille was a little taken aback by the person cast as Lucy's landlady, Ethel Mertz. Because Lucille had envisioned her as kind of this elderly, former showgirl type, like a naughty old lady, you know, with a scratchy mm-hmm. smoker voice. And here is this hourglass-figured blonde woman a year younger than she was, not really so happy with this. I thought you'd be older, said Lucy. And then, <laughs> of course, Vivian Vance is like, uh-oh, I, I look frumpy on camera. I photograph frumpy, don't worry. And I'm very <laughs> sorry to say that Lucy was not very friendly to her at first. She would embarrass her in front of people, um, kind of respond coldly when Vivian spoke. And when she was asked how she stayed so positive through the whole experience, Vivian Vance, later her best friend, said, and I quote, if this show is a hit, it will make me a star, and I will love that bitch if it's the last thing I do. <laughs> I, You know what? I love their relationship after the show, you know, I, the, how they they just really became best friends later. But this part, yeah, it must have been kind of turmoil on the set. I have read things that were supposedly put into Vivian Vance's contract about, let's see, having to stay 20 pounds heavier than Lucille or not posing for any glamorous press photos and not allowed to wear a girdle on the screen. And I couldn't confirm any of that. But if you do look at the first few episodes, the costumer took care to give her pretty unflattering costumes. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally agree. Well, I can't remember if we mentioned this in part one, but just a quick aside that um, I'm not sure if this was for the pilot or not, but Lucy and Ricky Ricardo were actually, uh, he was supposed to be Larry Lopez. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm really glad they changed it because Ricky Ricardo is way better. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, anyway, the first episode aired, um, though not the first one filmed, actually, which had some technical problems they wanted to iron out. It was the first impression. They wanted it to be good. So the very first one aired was the girls want to go to a nightclub. They set up all the classic tropes of this show. Guys versus girls. The guys, to celebrate their anniversary, wanted to go to a boxing match. And, of course, the ladies wanted to go to a nightclub and be fancy and drink cocktails. And so they dared each other. Okay, go get other dates to go to your thing then. The ladies dress up as horrible hillbillies and the guys find out and hijinks ensue. Yeah, Desi (gasps) always turns the tables on them. Like all of Lucy's schemes, we had it all. Marital discord, funny accents, both the hillbillies and Ricky Ricardo's, costumery, Mm -hmm. mistaken identity, physical comedy, and the audience freaking loved it. Well, to us, that seems like like tropes, but to them, it was new and exciting. Well, this is the originator of the trope. And as I recall, I do believe that the TV trope site was set up to start the year that Lucy... Um, did I Love Lucy because they wanted to include her and her show and Desi's show 
in all of their tropes as the originator of many of the tropes on their site. Their entry is very, very, very long. (laughs) Everything in that show was scripted. It seems like they were maybe doing some improv, but that wasn't the case. They blocked everything out. Lucille needed to have everything scripted so she knew what was coming. Not only her lines, but the pratfalls and the prop work and even her expressions were written into the script. They had Mm. names like light bulb, small rabbit, credentials and blue steel oh i made up that last one (laughs) i was like i didn't hear i didn't read about that one that's cool (laughs) (laughs) no that's a zoolander reference oh yeah i know i know there was actually rules in the writing room for the show um they were the humor could never be unkind and only lucy could tease ricky about his accent Neither one could flirt with anybody else. Desi could never be, and this is in Lucille's words, a nincompoop husband. And if Lucy was going to do something that made him look kind of foolish, the audience needed to know that he was in on it. So I wonder how, okay, so there's the episode where they do the job swap. I think it's the chocolate the chocolate mm-hmm. episode, you know, where they're stuffing chocolates into their bras and stuff. So Desi and Fred are cooking rice and falling all over the kitchen and wearing crinkly, fuzzy aprons. I don't know. Is that not a nincompoop? I don't know. I guess I don't know what a nincompoop is. <laughs> <laughs> Did she mean a dirt bag? I know. I just like if he was going to he was never the one that looked stupid. It's in the end. The audience was he always like knew about like he always caught on. He caught wind. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Well, he was always the one that unmasked the scheme. Mm-hmm. That makes right. sense. Well, and this show had the usual background of family life in the 1950s. And yet, you know, what the heck was going on? <laughs> A play on the ideal, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about this in our 1950s Housewife episode, which I strongly recommend going to listen to. Well, this show was a force, a force, or as I should say, a just reward for all those years of underappreciated hard work. There were 16 million TVs tuned to this show each week by the end of 1951, which is about half the TVs literally in America that year, anywhere. (laughs) I have two favorite episodes, and I have to confess that the first one is totally not original, but I like the episode called Vitamin to Vegemin so much. For those of you who aren't familiar, here is the little plot line. Lucy Ricardo gets a chance to be a product pitch girl for a product that reminds me quite a lot of Lydia Pinkham's tonic, you know, episode 52 of the History Chicks. Pep, vigor, popularity, she's supposed to say, among other things. And then she's supposed to take a spoonful on camera, but it's so gross and her face is so funny that they keep having to do retake After retake, and unbeknownst to Lucy, it's about 25% alcohol. So she's doing shots, basically. And (laughs) hijinks ensue. Um, My favorite drunk line of hers is, do you pop out at parties? (laughs) The thing a lot of people don't know about this vitamin and vegemin skit is that the whole thing is based on Red Skelton's guzzling gin commercial that he used to do. So just uh, in case you think that... Everything on the Lucille Ball show was original. That was an homage to that vaudeville skit. Well, she Uh. was nominated for an Emmy in the same category as Red Skelton, the man in question, who actually won. But when he won, his speech included the words, you gave it to the wrong redhead. (laughs) It was kind of like a reverse Kanye, you know, 
uh, I'm going to let you finish, Lucy, but Lucy had the best show of all time, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I just thought it, it really showed that it wasn't copying. It was an homage. And, uh, you know, everyone recognized that, even the guy who had originated that bit. Uh, you know what? I have some more stuff here about the first season. Okay. After the first episode aired, the sponsor, which was Philip Morris, they tried to back out. The president of the company thought the show was silly and boring. They talked him back into it. You know, let's just leave it for a few episodes. And it's a good thing they did because every week more and more people tuned into it. Uh, The New York Times and Variety actually gave it really bad reviews, too. The critics never liked the movie and the people always liked the movie. Yeah, they were like, basically, just don't ask too many questions and just go along with it. (laughs) There's so many plot holes in here. Just skip over those. (laughs) Taxis disappeared from the streets of New York while it was being shown. Marshall Fields in Chicago, which had been open Monday nights, closed and switched to being open Thursday night. Phone calls slowed down. Uh, Apparently, water flush rates dropped in the country because so many people were tuned in to watching I Love Lucy. And they all went to the bathroom at the same time during the commercials. That's right. They dropped like through the thing and then all of a sudden there's this huge spike in them. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I wonder, are there events now that are like that? Like the Super Bowl, I would imagine, is like that. But really, people aren't together for too many other Mm-mm. Too many other adventures. I mean, you know, there's a percentage of people that watch the Oscars and whatnot, but um, isn't that funny? Like, America doesn't act like that anymore. We're not all tuned to the same media anymore. Mm-mm. <laughs> Is that progress? I don't know. My son and I were just talking about how every single person now can tailor their media preferences to exactly what they want. He oh. was kind of baffled that <laughs> you just kind of had to show up and whatever was on was on. And he's like, what do you mean? Well, somebody else was the boss of what you watched. You could either choose to watch it or not watch it, but you didn't get to pick other things to watch. And he just couldn't believe it. And so. (laughs) And if you wanted to, if you, you know, if you were sick or whatever and you missed it and you wanted to see that episode, there was no way you, you had to wait and see if it came up in reruns. Okay. And also, how about this, fellow Gen Xers? We both had the flu. And so we were genuinely couldn't get off the couch sick. I still had a spark of humor in me and I turned on the TV to. I turned on the TV to Price is Right. <laughs> and my son is like, what is this? The only thing you could watch in the 70s if you were homesick from school. Just game shows and soap operas. Oh, uh, so funny. Yeah, he gave me the dirty eyeball, though, and we quickly switched over to the movie channel. But I want to save my other favorite for a minute, I think, until I talk about two not good things. Did you know that's called uh, a sandwich? Okay. I have a feeling we have the same kind of sandwich. Okay. Because I I was waiting for you to go, what was your favorite episode? And I was going to say, it doesn't come up for a little bit. So are we ready for the bad things? Yes, we can go with the bad thing. Well, okay. Number one bad thing. Remember, way back, way back, when the whole family went down to register as communists to vote, just to please Grandpa Hunt. He he even had a communist meeting at her house, actually. Well, the House Un-American Activities Committee got hold of this information and summoned her to a hearing. And they had ruined a lot of people in Hollywood. You know, Charlie Chaplin had to leave the country. Orson Welles, Lena Horne, Burl Ives, Gypsy Rose Lee. I mean, this is not a joke. Her explanation seemed to pacify them and was basically like, oh, I had an eccentric grandpa. He... Lost his house because of this accident in his yard. We felt so guilty. That was the least we could do to pay him back. 
and you know, you can back up that there was an incident in the yard with newspaper accounts and this and that. And they seemed they seemed to accept her answers. Spoiler alert, this time. They this seemed time. to expect her answers. And she was simply allowed to go and no press was alerted at all. That's right. It was secret. It was it was nobody found out about it. And you know, we talk about we talked about it in the Dorothy Parker episode uh, 55 and 56. We talked about this time in history, but I think part of it was this was the end of it. Like it wasn't in the late 40s when the worst of things were happening, mm -hmm. but it was still it was still lingering. They were like trying to keep their jobs, I guess, and sweep up as many people who had anything communist in their backgrounds. But yeah, she got off pretty easily this time. So the second bad thing is that she had sort of a nervous breakdown under all the pressure to the point that old Harriet, her maid, was afraid to leave her at home alone. Lucille never wanted to be alone very much after this. In fact, she was a perfectionist and also this great, this great success. She had a, the number one show on TV. It's sort of all of a sudden after all that struggle was really messing with her. I don't know if it was imposter syndrome or, or what it was. But she, as many of us do with the self-help book, she consulted the author himself because she has the star power. Um, <laughs> it was called The Power of Positive Thinking and really kind of treated him as her – I hate to say spiritual guru because he was in fact a preacher and I don't mean to belittle that aspect of his personality. But she kind of treated his his philosophies as guiding guideposts for her life to the point where she even kind of got used to a form of meditation – or she was just kind of being quiet within herself when all the bad feelings started to come. She would write notes to herself and tape them on her mirror. Notes like, is this good for Lucy? And be kind to yourself today. I think that's great. I mean, counselors and psychologists teach people that now, you know, cognitive behavior therapy, just to when you feel those negative things coming on, how to address them, how to recognize them as being you know, harmful to you and how to overcome them. It was bad that she had the kind of that breakdown, but it's good that she found this um, philosophy for dealing with life. Well, and then here's the other good thing. Here's the bread on the sandwich. Though at first <laughs> it seemed like the end of the world. Lucille was pregnant again. This dream, this pinnacle could be gone. TV was a weird place. Lucy and Ricky Ricardo had twin beds. Everybody on TV had twin beds. Pleasantville mm -hmm. made fun of the twin beds. Do you love that movie, <laughs> Pleasantville? Because I really do. I do. I do love that movie. Well, and even though people named Desi and Lucille were married in real life, someone turning up pregnant meant that at one point people named Lucy and Ricky Ricardo were in the same twin bed, which... Ooh, people could not handle that. <laughs> and I don't know why. It's so crazy. But the writers decided to just go ahead and incorporate it in. And in fact, the other producer was joyful at the novelty. And the sponsors in the network were just really jumpy and not happy. Can't she just stand behind furniture? Can't she just carry a grocery bag? Yeah. Why do we got to <laughs> do this? And as a compromise, the writers had a minister and a priest and a rabbi who did not walk into a bar. Instead, <laughs> That's funny. That's exactly how I ever read it. <laughs> they read through all the scripts and signed off on all the scripts for real. And it seemed to me that they were very puzzled that the sponsors in the network would not allow the word pregnant to be said. It was expecting. Even though right. the religious um, committee had no problem with that word as it is a state of being for women, yeah. no, <laughs> the network was the one that couldn't handle that. 
I think I think that was its first TV show that started to do that. It was used expect expecting. It wasn't actually the first TV show where there was a woman that had a baby, but there was um, using the word expecting. Which brings me to my other favorite episode, and maybe Susan, your favorite episode from what I'm hearing. Y- yes, it is. It's so sweet. Lucy is enciente. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, I don't en- even know how to say that. Enciente, I think. I was thinking Spanish. No. No. Francais. Oh, enciente. Because the E would be silent. Oh. It's Lucy is enciente. Um, even then, then they're not going to say <laughs> pregnant in the title. But it is so sweet. Um, she tries to tell him all along you know, during the episode that she's pregnant, but she just can't find the opportunity. So she goes to his show that night and she sends an anonymous request to sing a song called We're Having a Baby, My Baby and Me for a woman who wants to tell her husband that she's pregnant, but it's anonymous. So Ricky's like, okay. And he starts singing actually rockabye baby. And he starts going around to every single couple that are sitting at the table. He's like, is it you? And they're all like, no, no, no. And finally he gets to Lucy's table and he's still singing. And she's sitting there with this big grin on her face, just waiting for him to get it. And then when he does get it, he just gets choked up and flustered. And the really cool thing is they both kind of cry and the whole audience is crying and I was crying and they were really crying because they were bringing up the emotions from when they did find out that they were pregnant because remember she had her first baby at 40 so that was a huge deal in their life they wanted to redo that scene so he didn't screw up the lyrics to the song and the audience was like no 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 do it that way so they did in the final cut and it's so sweet we'll put the episode on our or at least that scene in the show notes. When Ricky says, it's me. <laughs> I just got teary and so did the audience. He's so freaking cute. I know. He's like, I want you to meet my mother. I mean my wife. And that was just, that was one of the places where he screwed up. <laughs> well, it was so cute. And then they this show, unlike any other show before it, had taped before a live audience of about 300 people and every freaking person in that audience, which included Lucy's own mother almost every day. Nobody had enough handkerchiefs for this, wiping their sleeves down their faces, blowing their nose and their elbows. I mean, it was emotional. It was so touching. So, oh, 44 million people watched the episode that naturally followed this episode where little Ricky was born. More people actually watched that episode than watched Eisenhower's inauguration the very next day. What they had done, because obviously they knew when she was going to be delivering because she had a planned C-section. So they timed out the shows. So the last six of that season followed along with her pregnancy. So she was pregnant, not behind any tables or books or pots or anything, you know, to hide it. She was pregnant for the last six episodes and they timed it to be exactly the same day that she delivered in real life. She delivered on television and people who were already having a problem separating the Ricardos from the Arnezes, that was gone. The line was, there was no line anymore. (laughs) And Lucy and baby Ricky were on the very first copy of TV Guide. Now, for the young among you, I have to explain what TV Guide was. (laughs) TV Guide was a magazine, an actual piece of um, printed material that you had to refer to if you wanted to see what was going to be on the television. 
Right. You could get the free one in your newspaper, but you paid for the magazine, which had extra stories in it, and it had it was on nicer paper, and it was smaller, so you could fit it on a side table. <laughs> so to give Lucille the rest she needed, Desi pioneered a completely new thing. Just show some old episodes, he told the network. They could not comprehend. The audience had already seen these. They're not going to stand for that. Won't they, time travelers? Uh, I am through the entirety of Bunheads four times. I'm sure there's shows you've seen more than once. Uh, yeah, you're through Bunheads four times. There's only one season of it. It's not that much of a commitment. The The guys that did the Gilmore guys are following along with Bunheads, which is the creator of Gilmore Girls' show about ballet dancers. You can watch it for free on Freeform. And so I've been through it. I mean, I mean, admittedly, sometimes at work just listening to it, mostly, yeah. actually, because yeah. I never really sit down. But, um, yeah, it's super fun, super good. I wish there would have been a season two. Well, Desi himself had therefore invented the concept of the rerun. Ironic, actually, since I Love Lucy's been in near continuous syndication since it was out the first time. Which is only possible because they put it on film. And not the kinescope. Like the mm-hmm. network had wanted in the first place. Not only that, but Philip Morris, that sponsor, remember, the sponsor that had wanted out after the first show, <laughs> by the way, re-upped for over $8 million. And MGM, the primo movie studio, signed Desi and Lucille to play newlyweds in a movie for more money than they'd ever paid anyone before. But... The roller coaster goes down as well as up. Those congressmen of the House Un-American Activities Committee, remember them, smelled mm-hmm. the delicious aroma of publicity, and they reopened Lucy's case. All the documents were supposed to be secret, but of course, they were leaked to the press. I believe on purpose by the congressman. Can't prove that. Oh, I completely agree with you. This time, her brother was actually called in to testify. He was living in a different state, and he had to come back to... California to testify in this quote secret unquote but it was only secret for like a day. Lucille was listening to Walter Winchell that night and she heard him say what top-rated television comedian has been confronted with her membership to the Communist Party and Lucille's first thought was oh my god they think Imogene Coco is a communist. (laughs) She didn't even realize it was her like right from the start but the newspapers did. I mean she it she picked up on it pretty quick uh lucille ball named red you know there were reporters camped out in her street it was big big news well she was terrified and for good reason the the hysteria over quote communists or reds was really at its height and even though her 30 some pages of answers had cleared her from being blackballed by hollywood itself there was still the court of public opinion, the sponsor, and the network, and Lucille herself were just kind of suspended, waiting to see which way the wind would blow. This really could tear everything apart again. Like, if the audience turned against her because of the, you know, mm-hmm. the controversy. But the public loved Lucy, and they loved Lucille. And during the first live show taping after the news broke, Desi, instead of doing his usual comedic opening, gave a speech that included the phrase... I love this. The mm-hmm. only thing read about my wife is her hair, and even that we're not so sure about. That went <laughs> viral, as you'd say now. The audience was so responsive during that show, they had to cut out all their laughs and replace them with taped laughs from a previous show because they like laughed so hard to show their support for Lucy that they couldn't use them. 
in that speech, uh, Desi talked to them about uh, he had left Cuba because of communism. Could you imagine if they didn't buy it, his life ruined twice because of communism? So Lucille had one. Love is the most powerful magic, as we learned in Harry Potter. And so on we go. Desilu Studios was making about $10 million a year. I mean, not all profit, but they were bringing in $10 million a year and produced other shows on the premises on behalf of other TV and radio companies who were kind of looking to outsource tenants, you know, and clients, mostly commercials at this point. But the popular show Our Miss Brooks was filmed at Desilu Studios and get this, I Love Lucy merchandise was selling like crazy. Lucille even said that it was possible to furnish a house and dress a family with I Love Lucy merchandise. There was everything, furniture, clothing. If the Ricardos could have it, then you could have it in your house too. You know, the merchandising arm at one point was making more money than they were bringing in profit from the studio. (laughs) So Desi had his outlet, this studio, his kingdom, but he could just not stop philandering openly. Like, everyone that worked there not only knew, but knew that Lucille knew, if you get me. The mm-hmm. real-life tension must have been so surreal to work there. I, uh, it's very uncomfortable to think about. A magazine had outed Desi's exploits extramaritally, shall we say, and it was in the public forum now. I, Lucy later wrote that the last five years of her marriage was a sham covered up by the Ricardos and their good marriage. I know she did have her dream marriage, but only why the cameras were rolling. You know, I even hate to talk about this. Well, Desi would shove her right in front of people. Lucille (laughs) once knocked him out with a hammer, knocked him out, thought she'd killed him. And Harriet, bless Harriet, man. Harriet looked at her and she's like, okay, I will swear that he fell. I will swear I, that he fell. You, you say the same thing. Say he fell. I'll back you up. You he fell on this hammer. Um, and Harriet the maid once protected Lucille at a dinner party by breaking a wine bottle over Desi's head. And then Desi and Harriet and Lucille exited to get cleaned up. And when they came back, it was as if nothing had happened. Desi continued his story, Lucille continued eating, and Harriet continued serving the food. And everybody's looking at each other, and they're like, it is like a Three Stooges movie in here. (laughs) Yeah, which which is real. Are they staging a fight? Why would they do that? That was a real fight. But yeah, that would have been bizarre. Are the illusions shattered yet? The actors who played Ethel and Fred barely tolerated each other off camera. And I am 99% sure that Desi never said... Lucy, you got some splain to do, which seems the most shocking of all. It's like beam me up Scotty from Star Trek never happened. Yeah, I I was actually surprised to hear that. The closest I can find, he does say Lucy, splain, or start splaining. Mm -hmm. My favorite use of Lucy, you have some splain to do, is the forgotten movie Fools Rush In with Salma Hayek and, is it Matthew Perry? Matthew Yeah, it was. Uh So cute. She has all these brothers and they take him out uh, and make him drink tequila because he fell into a cactus and got all hurt. So he comes (laughs) back having drank a bottle of tequila and says, Lucy, you have some splain to do. And then falls down. (laughs) (laughs) I remember. I I completely forgot about that movie. That that kind of surprises me that it's in your repertoire of favorite movies or cute movies. It's just so cute. 
Well, man. Well, the show won some Emmys. Lucy herself won some. Desi never did win any. In fact, I don't think he was ever nominated. Um, No. Well, they bought RKO, which is the studio where they'd met, if you remember from part one, and Desi became quite the businessman, except that everyone knew you had to bring him the papers before lunch. Otherwise, he'd be too far into the bottle to help you. Now, Lucille was not as involved as he was in the business part. Um, she took up things like watercolors and weekends at home with the kids. And I wonder if the whole business empire thing was another strategy, as the TV show was in the first place, to keep Desi near home. Oh, maybe. Well, Desi started opening hotels and restaurants and all manners of other you know, businesses. My favorite one was that this This is kind of like a stick it to the man kind of thing. He built a hotel that butted up to a prestigious country club that didn't allow anyone as a member who wasn't Caucasian. So he couldn't get a membership there. So he built a hotel that butted right up to it. <laughs> well, despite all his behavior, I, I just have to say underlying the rest of this entire story, all the parts, Lucille loved Desi very much. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's not enough. Well, after six seasons of half-hour shows, I Love Lucy changed to a one-hour format and also way down to 13 episodes total over the course of the next three years. This was kind of like 13 movies, all about your old favorite characters. Um, And that gave Desi a lot more freedom to do his other business enterprises. It was a lot less stressful to do. Mm. You know, the daily grind wasn't so bad, but it really did nothing to ease the personal pressure of the marriage, especially toward the end of the run, where they were speaking to each other only through other people. You know, the thing like, tell Desi I said to cut that line. Well, you tell Lucille I'm leaving it in. This, ladies and gentlemen, is why you're never <laughs> supposed to date work people, I guess, because it ends up bad. <gasps> I dated a work person, but then I had to leave the company. That's what happens. I know. Well, the last thing they ever filmed together for I Love Lucy was a scene where Lucy's disguised as a mustachioed chauffeur who's driving Desi around the city. As we say, hijinks ensue. The very last thing filmed was the reconciliation kiss at the end when Ricky Ricardo forgives Lucy for being cockamamie. That's the end. That's the end. The end of everything. It, it is. Lucy was actually waiting for Desi to realize that the marriage was over so that they would both be on the same page. And once she did, she had a lawyer and I'm not kidding, 20 minutes. She filed for divorce on the grounds of extreme mental cruelty. The only thing she'd really be drawn on to the press is to say that life with Ricky was not at all like life with Desi. And she needed to leave. You know, people close to them knew the deal. Anybody who'd been to one of those wine battle dinner parties knew the deal. (laughs) Well, fans mourned. They mourned just as if it were Lucy and Ricky Ricardo divorcing. But of course, the real picture had never, ever matched the TV ideal. Lucille was 49. This is probably a good time to take a break. And when we come back, we can talk about Lucille's life after I Love Lucy. I bet he's gonna look just like you. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> We're having a baby. I'll bet she'll speak with an accent like you. <laughs> she? Yeah. We're having a baby. My baby. And me.
um, I don't really like slapstick comedy. I mean, I can take it in small doses, but... So my constant repetition every holiday season of the movie Home Alone is baffling to you? Well, it's not baffling. I get it. I mean, my family, the boys in the house watch uh, DVDs of the Three Stooges all the time. So So how do you feel about like um, people stuffing chocolates in the bra? Okay, I thought it was funny the first time I saw it, but it wasn't like something that I could go back and laugh at a second time. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, the physical comedy of um, Donald O'Connor and Singing in the Rain is one thing (laughs) I could watch over and over again, but not the chocolates. I mean, it was cute, but... In contrast, I love musicals, like, on a stage, but Mm -hmm. I really, really find them not good as movies oh so yes uh i've been recording this whole time so let's go ahead and leave that in okay (laughs) and uh so we're back we're back for real even though we've been just sitting here talking and drinking our tea so (laughs) lucille and desi are no more and desi was off simultaneously man about towning and trying to clean up his act and lucille true to form buried herself in work 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 Less than two months after the divorce, Lucille was making a movie with Bob Hope, and the first day of filming, Lucille fell straight down from nine feet up in the air and knocked herself unconscious. She hurt herself very badly. Her face was black. Um, So how does she feel about physical comedy now, huh? (laughs) Oh, not so good. And old Desi came out of the woodwork to come get her at the hospital, and he took such good care of her that rumors started swirling that they were together again. And I think the kids felt a stirring of hope, too. And even I, reading this, wondered. It was such a weird thing. This utter love they had for each other and also this 100% complete dysfunction. A horrible Mm -hmm. combination. But no, yeah. you know, they said no, just friends, just friends. It just wasn't going to happen. It just wasn't going to happen. They knew that they were too volatile as a couple. So Lucille did finish that movie after extensive recovery, although she was left with scars on her face that she had to cover with makeup the rest of her life. Then she decided to stretch herself and go for Broadway, a musical, despite the fact that she was no singer. We will talk about that later. And no (laughs) dancer, uh, choreography wise. You know, this is probably going to work, right? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, in one regard, she's from New York. That's her roots. So going back there probably was really healing for her in this transitional time. I mean, uh, we know what happens, but... um, (laughs) So she actually, she took the kids, she took a nanny, and she moved them to New York. The kids absolutely hated it. The weather was too cold. There was no grass outside. I mean, they'd grown up in sunny California, and now they're in winter in New York City. Little Desi was bullied in school, and little Lucy was missing all of her friends. And Lucille didn't actually do so great on the play. (laughs) Well, in this producer deal where Desi Lou would fund the production, it was a show called Wildcat about a scrappy kind of brash woman who reminds me of the unsinkable Molly Brown, actually. But in this case, oil fields rather than mining. She, Lucille, was about 25 years older than the showrunners had envisioned the character in the first place. <laughs> but hey, you know, hey, she's the biggest star on TV. A draw, right? Right. So she started rehearsals. They were grueling physically. And mentally, too, because really the show was on her. Everyone's jobs were her responsibility. Also, her family was very unhappy. So that was on her, too. 
There was a lot going on. She yeah. went out on a lot of dates. Does it seem to you, Susan, that Lucy is a person who just can't live without a love interest? Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> I mean, one after another, like a montage in a movie. One after yeah. another, unacceptable ones. And one night, she was introduced to a comedian named Gary Morton, who claimed he'd never seen her show, which I am calling BS, though Jerry Seinfeld, real and fictional, also claimed never to have seen it. But during Seinfeld's time, it wasn't the number one show in the country. Right. He was a comedian. You know, he was on the comedy circuit. So he was appearing in clubs all over the country at night. At one so Monday night? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who's going to be there? They're all sitting at home watching I watching Love Lucy. I Love Lucy. I Maybe that's know. when she goes out when he went out, you know, to play pool or whatever. Well, he was intriguing to her for that reason. I The whole unaffected by her stardom thing. If it was a front or not a front, I don't know. I How do I really explain Gary? He's kind of like one of those guys on Entourage that aren't the main character, but that the star genuinely wants to have around and that everyone's happy to see. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, he's funny and loyal and, you know, kind of down to earth. Lucy called him ugly handsome. <laughs> I guess as opposed to Desi Arnaz, who was just handsome, maybe oh, more yeah. rugged, less pretty. I don't know. They began seeing each other pretty regularly. But uh, who else did she see regularly? Would you like to guess? Desi Arnaz. That's who. <laughs> uh, who, after all, he had a financial interest in the show's success. I guess we can... And she was the mother of his children, so if he wanted to visit his kids. Well, Desi was there when the show opened for its out-of-town tryout in Pennsylvania, and he made a lot of changes. Well, suggestions, but, you know, the producer wants something. <laughs> hey, presto, it's changed. So um, <laughs> removing some songs, for one, encouraging Lucille to put a little more Lucy Ricardo in it, for another, a little shtick. You know, the audience paid to be in a room with Lucille Ball, mostly. Mm -hmm. They're not really here to see the show. I mean, they are, but not really. Yeah, and so if she's playing a different character, that's not what they want. That's not what their dollars went for. So the critics' reviews were just terrible, but the people ate it up. Desi was right, even after it opened on Broadway. And she and Desi saw each other every single night the week it opened. And he called her at intermission every night after that. And he proposed again. The divorce wasn't final for a year. And Lucille was tempted, so tempted, until, get this, the universe spoke to her. I can't even fathom this. Okay. This, this couple that had been in the audience were ushered backstage. They were so freaking excited to give her something that they had found while they were on vacation in Hawaii. It was a gold necklace, and it had a wedding ring on it. And engraved inside, it said, to Desi, with love from Lucy. It was a sign. Not the sign to say yes. I mean, I'm sure she thanked them and posed her photo, whatever. The couple didn't know. But the sign was to forget it because evidently Desi losing that ring in the first place had precipitated one of the biggest fights they had ever had. And instead of being reminded of the good times, that ring reminded her of all that adrenaline, of the yelling and the crying. And the, you do not want to go back down that road, no matter how charming he appears to you right now. It doesn't that sound like something that's written into a story? I mean, it happened, but it seems so weird, <laughs> you know? It, it's very shocking. She had yeah. bought Desi a fur coat. It was going to be a present next time he came to New York because it was going to be cold, you know? She, after she got that ring and thought about it, she got that fur coat out and she marched out to the theater and gave it to the first correctly sized male cast member she saw. <laughs> 
it, it's she turned him down. Mm-hmm. She became Gary Morton's girlfriend, much to the shock of her A-list friends, I think. I don't love him, she would say, but I like him. Well, and, and he wasn't really around all the time, which she was probably used to maybe, but he would have jobs booked in, in Florida. And, you know, Lucy was in New York or working on something else and they were separated. So it was always, always fresh when they got back together. Well, she went out at night. She didn't sleep. She didn't take care of herself. And ultimately, the show had to close because Lucy's health just failed. Um, they tried over and over to to bring it back and she'd get better. But after 171 shows, it was over and considered a failure. It certainly lost money. So Lucy went back to Hollywood and her house and her kids who had the screening copy of The Parent Trap and kept playing it pointedly <laughs> over and over at their mother until she had to sit them down and tell them, okay, look. I'm sorry, that's never going to happen. No. It's never going to happen. She was flailing a little and she didn't know what to do. Sort of wanted to run away as far from TV and acting and everyone she knew as possible. She enrolled the children in school in Switzerland until her mother had to sit her down and say, look, he's a nice man. You don't like to be alone. Just settle down. You need an anchor. You're like a crazy person. <laughs> So they did. They they got married. And it really wasn't that long between when they met and when they married. It was like, what, a little over a year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but they, they did get married and she settled. I don't know. I she think- seemed very happy later in life, though. So I think it was a good choice for her. Well, um, she married him in the same suit she wore during the court proceedings to divorce Desi. I don't know yeah. if that's symbolism or if she <laughs> she was kind of frugal. It might have been the one respectable suit she owned. Yeah, maybe she had bought it for a special occasion. and This was a special occasion. Yeah, I mean, I guess if it had like negative memories on it, getting married would wash those away maybe. Well, in case you're wondering, Gary signed a prenup because everybody else was wondering. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) So Gary was steady. Gary thought mostly of Lucille. Gary was invited places and was happy to be there. While Desi's drinking had really whittled down Lucille's social circle. Unlike Desi, who would rage at being referred to as Lucille Ball's husband, Gary would just beam and be like, I know, right? Like, luckiest (laughs) son of a bee in the world, you know. I think he was really good for her. He he was no firecracker, but he was such a steady person. Yeah, he was a a steady ember glowing, I guess. And relatively optimistic. mm -hmm. I'm just kind of seeing this. You know how the rest of her life, Lucille was kind of like jumpy and and ready to battle and stuff. But I think Desi had had trained her that way. Like everything was a battle with them. And then, you know, so when Gary would say something, Lucille would pop off. He'd be like, it's fine. You don't (laughs) have, nobody's going to fight here. We're good. Yeah. If that means more to you than to me, that's fine. I don't care. And that's the end of it. And it would just be like, whoa, that's not what I'm used to at all. I, yeah. I wonder how many years, maybe the rest of her life, it took her to get used to it. I don't know. Because <laughs> that fire that she and Desi had, I mean, that had left scars. Yep. Well, Desi Lou Studios was sort of in trouble. They only had one hit show left. It was The Untouchables was there. 
Mm-hmm. And they were having to spend lots of money to convert to color processes and kind of other innovations they had to do just to keep up, not to make profit, but just to keep up with the competition. The idea was floated to have Lucille star in a show, like a stopgap show, you know, sure winner, one season filler, while all of this modernization is paid off. Can you just mm-hmm. come back and do this one year? And okay, fine. It was called the Lucy Show. Now she's Lucy Carmichael. Mm-hmm. Did we talk about the AR thing? The AR thing. Long, long, long ago, Carol Lombard's mother mm-hmm. had told her that the combination of AR was very, very lucky. And she should always try to have an AR in her name. And that's why Ricardo has AR in it. And that's why. She felt like Desi Arnaz was her lucky charm, and all of her character names from now on will have the A-R in it. Because her real name, I mean, if she had taken Gary's last name, it would have been Morton. But Yeah, but she didn't. Yeah, yeah. She was actually able to pair up again with her old pal, Vivian Vance. They starred as a widow and a divorced woman, and both of them have kids, and they're living in the same house, and antics ensue. They did not want Lucy to be a divorcee because the real divorce was so fresh in mm-hmm. the press. And also, she couldn't have a husband because no one could really see an audience accepting a replacement for Ricky Ricardo. Right. Except Vivian Vance. <laughs> That's true. I like these shows. I like Lucy. I remember watching it. I, I just remember watching it. Not, I don't remember the details until I, I had to watch them again. But I, I kind of like the setup. Because it was kind of very modern for the time. We had uh, Kate and Allie, I think, in the um, 80s, which was another divorced and uh, widowed friends that live that blend their families and live in the same house. But I thought that, you know, for the times, I thought that this was kind of groundbreaking. This was pre-Laverne and Shirley, too. There's really no precedent for two, what are that, like a buddy comedy. Right, that's ladies. A, yeah, mm-hmm. Except their own show. <laughs> Except I Love Lucy. Right. That's the precedent. Yeah. So Desi and Lucy marketed themselves as good friends, but there would be Desi crying up on the catwalk during rehearsals, you know, <laughs> regretting his life, telling everyone that would listen that Gary took his life from him, took his kids, took his wife, took his job, took his blah, blah, blah. He drank daiquiris for breakfast. I mean, they're full of vitamin C, but also <laughs> full of alcohol. He'd fall asleep on set. I mean, matters were spiraling out of control. The studio was in trouble. They had tenants there. Andy Griffith Show, My Three Sons, The Dick Van Dyke Show. My Three Sons, incidentally, was where Fred Mertz ended up. He's grandpa on that show. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, originally, Lucy and Desi had had an agreement and that either one of them could buy the other out first. They had the right of first refusal, I guess, uh, if they wanted to buy him out of the studio. So Desi decided he wanted out and Lucy did buy him out for $3 million. Not only did that give her the ownership of the studio, but she became the first head of a major television studio who was a woman. Groundbreaking. Desi was gone, although she still consulted him for years afterward on matters of taste, really, Um, Mm -hmm. choice in casting and this and that. But he was no longer a part of the studio. She left his office exactly how he had left it for years afterward. No one was allowed in there except to dust. A fully giant, major, president-size office. 
completely unoccupied and left. Exactly. And he only took like a picture of his family and left everything else there. So it, it really looked like he had simply gone out for a meeting and was going to come right back, but he never did. Mm. Oh, Desi, who four months after the divorce was final, married their former neighbor, Edie Hirsch, a redhead who looked enough like Lucille that it was commonly remarked upon. A married woman who got a quick Mexican divorce, married Desi, and then had to pull him out of the casino on their wedding night. Let us place him gently down. Good night, Desi. Sleep tight. <laughs> we will catch up with you in a minute. We'll just give you a glass of water on your side table and <laughs> tuck you in. <laughs> so Lucille Ball, in charge, like Queen Elizabeth I, she was the mistress with no master. Gary was not in charge there. She was in charge. Her husband didn't work there. Oh, he was on her show once as a golf pro. But she also kind of put the law down that she didn't want him to travel anymore for his comedy act either. A but he didn't have to. No. no. But a long-distance husband was not what – she didn't want it. She didn't want it the first time. She couldn't stop it. She didn't mm -hmm. want it the second time, and now she could stop it. And so he he was no longer a comedian. <laughs> well, <laughs> He she, was Mr. Lucille Ball. Yep. But he was happy about it. And I don't think he did it, you know, for the money or the fame or anything. I just think he truly loved her so much that she came first in his life. I think that's a love story. It is. She said later that she really missed having a peer to bounce ideas off of. Even the comfort of being able to defer to someone else's judgment and just let him handle things like she'd done with Desi. But now she was in charge. And one of her foibles, I just it, – it fits nowhere. I just have to mention it. Okay. She's famous for once she became the president and was there every day, no one could find any of their pencils. They keep looking around. Where's the dang pencils? And finally, one of the VPs opened a closet in Lucille's office, opened the door, and out, Farrah McGee style, came hundreds of pencils. And <laughs> – it was like a psychological thing from way back in elementary school when her grandma and grandpa couldn't afford to buy her pencils for school. She had a thing. If she was at a board meeting, she'd take all the pencils. If she was at a restaurant, she'd take all the pencils. Like a problem. <laughs> and she's like, well, I don't. I just want to make sure I have enough. And that vice president put his hand on hers and said, you own this studio. You have enough. These are all your pencils. We are only borrowing them. <laughs> Uh, I love that. <laughs> I, it doesn't really fit anywhere, but yeah. the whole story. No, it is a good story. So at her studio, she was making her show, which kind of morphed into a place for celebrity guest appearances. Joan Crawford was on it, Jack Benny, Carol Burnett, George Burns, Milton Berle. I mean, big names of the time. They'd come in, either they'd be themselves or some, some other little part, but they'd be on her show and it was a big draw for her. She brought on new shows. Uh, she made a variety of specials. She added 22 new shows. Now, not all of them sold, but they were being produced in the pilots and put together by Desilu Studios. Lucille was this interesting mix of a complete hard aleck, especially with business things, which I wonder if that was playing a role, like fake it till you make it. Oh, yeah, maybe. I'm thinking. And then also a very vulnerable, alone inside kind of a person. One of the books I read said that one of her friends said, quote, she was forced to put steel around her heart. That's a good description, I think. So she was micromanaging and sort of iron fisted about her own show, especially, and mm -hmm. then sort of charmingly vague about some pretty major things. 
Some of her executives convinced her to put up money for this pilot that CBS had rejected. Like, I don't even want to film this pilot. And they're like, please film it. Please, Lucy, you have the power. Please film it. It was called Briggs Squad. And the whole concept, you know, eh, CBS wasn't down. But her VPs, who she had hired for their ability to make good decisions, really begged and said, you have the funds. I, I know you do to develop this. Please do it. You won't regret it. And so she did. Desilu filmed the pilot. Frank Sinatra lent them his own plane to use for a scene. That's connections for you. <laughs> You've never heard of Briggs Squad? You say, of course you haven't, because before it aired, they renamed it Mission Impossible. Dun, 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 dun. That music I know. <laughs> and this one, this one, the show Lucy referred to in a board meeting as, quote, that show about the USO performers you're working on. Which turned out actually to be Star Trek. <laughs> um, well, you know, here's what she knew. It was about traveling and stars. And when did stars travel? Well, of course, when they were on the USO. Of course it was. Oh, dear. So <laughs> they had to explain the concept to her. Um, yeah. One advisor said that this was just too radical. Like, no one ever done a show like this before. But a man she'd hired from NBC and whose judgment she trusted said, if you want to be a major player in this business, you have to do this show. So she and she alone gave them the green light. So think about this. Without Lucille Ball, you'd have no Spock. You'd have no Captain Kirk. You'd have no Beam Me Up Scotty. We talked about that. We don't have that. It never happened. No, no. Do you know, Martin Luther King Jr. let his kids stay up late to watch Star Trek. And when the lady that played Uhuru wanted to quit to pursue other things, he wrote her a letter saying, please don't, please don't. You're such a valuable role model for the community. You just don't realize how much of an impact you're having. I wish you would reconsider and stay. And she did. Well, how could she not? She got a letter from Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> Keep your, keep your day job. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, so the halls of Desilu were full of Klingons and Lassie and Gomer Pyle and Hogan's Heroes and I Spy and my favorite Martian and That Girl with Marlo Thomas and Batman. I loved That Girl. Did you? I, yeah, I did. I, yeah. I think we, I remember my parents bringing us downstairs to watch that and um, The Flying Nun. Okay, I don't. You're not that much older than me. I don't think I watched either one of those shows. Well, I'm old enough that, I, I mean, I was a very small child, but it was like early memories. I guess maybe my parents realized that we fell asleep at the TV when the TV was on. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they funny. had three kids within 18 months. They probably used every trick in the book <laughs> to get us to stop moving. In case you guys are trying to do that math, Susan is a twin. <laughs> <laughs> so Lucy, her second hit show got her another Emmy and then another one. So she got two more Emmys. The second show ran, it was just called the Lucy show ran for six years, 156 episodes. Yeah. It was only supposed to be for a year, but it was mm -hmm. such a hit. All this, all this stuff, all this, you know, Batman and Lucy and Vivian and blah, blah, blah. It was a lot of plates to spin in the air. And Lucille was approached by Paramount to sell the studio. And although she cried and she kind of felt like she, she was selling a baby that she had made, you know, I think it was a great relief to have so much responsibility just lifted off her shoulders. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she had so much responsibility lifted and quite a few dollars put into her bank account. She sold it for 17 million. Remember, she bought it for three. She sold the studio for $17 million. 
That is a respectable return on investment. I think so. How many pencils uh, could you buy for that? How many pencils? <laughs> Several. <laughs> Several closets full. <laughs> well, she filmed another year at this new Paramount. Same place, different name. But mm-hmm. it was weird now. You know, it was weird. And they wouldn't fix your air conditioner, which was the final straw. And this dang show, Laugh-In, was put opposite her show. And they took to on sign-off, waving her, bye-bye, Lucy, good night, you know, and it was like, golly. So they're making fun of her, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lucille felt like she just might be losing touch, and it was probably time to end that second show. Yeah. And this is probably a good time to end this part of our conversation. And when we come back, we'll find out what happens in, later in her life. The Lucy Show. Starring Lucille Ball. We are back. Lucille has just wrapped up her second hit television show. And she decided to take time to film a movie, one I love, actually, called Yours, Mine, and Ours, about a blended family with 18 children. So she rebranded, did Lucy, a new show called Here's Lucy, a new name, Carter. Now she's Lucy Carter, another AR name. AR, mm-hmm. With both of her children cast as her teenage kids, which honestly did not work out that well personally, but after the first season did all right numerically. I I do remember this show too, um, but now that I know their background, I wonder if she did that to keep the kids close to her and keep an eye on them because they were getting a little on the wild side. Dizzy Jr. was quite a little partier and he kind of had this garage band with a couple friends, including Dean Martin Jr. And it took off. He was on tour at a very, very young age, really against Lucille's wishes. He had taken to, I don't know, what shall I say, substances and alcohol. And this show might have been the way to keep him safe. You know how it's hard to work with family, though? It's hard to work with family. It's hard to keep your stuff separate. Mm-hmm. You just go over work stuff at home and home stuff at work. And then here her children were, both seeing her worst aspects of her personality. Even her mom said that she was horrible at work. Even the people she loved, she threw a glass of water right in Harriet's face. I know. Guess what happened? Harriet went out of that dressing room and Lucille thought it was over. But no, Harriet came back with a full glass of water and threw it right in Lucille's face. How about it? How much do we love Harriet? I love Harriet. I wish I could find out more about her. She often ran her show like a dictatorship. She didn't really take anybody's experience into account and made very, very many people either cry or... Or hate her during the filming of her show. She made Joan Crawford cry. Mommy Dearest was laying on the floor of her dressing room crying and saying, and they call me a b-. mm-hmm. Yes. Elizabeth Taylor called her Miss See You Next Tuesday, if you know what I mean. Yes, yes, she did. Although that episode is really funny. Um, Elizabeth Taylor had a famous, famous giant diamond ring. And the hook of the show is that Lucy tries it on and cannot get it off. 
But yet, Elizabeth Taylor has to meet the press to show them the ring. So Lucy's hiding behind a curtain with her hand out. And you know how, like, they make those comedies where one person is the hands and the other person it talks? Uh-huh. That's basically what it was. Yeah. So the actual show turned out cute. But the filming of made an enemy of Elizabeth Taylor. So, But she got some big names on there. Um. Oh, the kids, man. The kids. Lucy Jr. moved out the day she turned 18 into her own apartment, which is perfectly acceptable to do. To pay someone back for something, that's probably not good. But if you're just moving out, that's a perfectly acceptable age to do it. But Desi Jr. got involved with the mother of one of his friends. <laughs> and so Lucille packed up all his stuff and put all his stuff on her lawn for Mother's Day. Happy Mother's I think he was only about 16 at the time. He was then involved in an affair and a paternity situation with Patty Duke. The baby in question is actually the actor Sean Astin now. Uh, he is a hobbit, among other things. <laughs> yeah, and not Desi's son. At yeah. the time, though, it was a very, very big controversy, and it was spiraling out of control as far as Lucy was concerned. I mean, but, you know, what... I hate, I mean, she wasn't around when they were little. And I mm-hmm. don't want to blame her for that. I think it was more the dysfunctional relationship with Desi. Yeah. I think the parents not getting along. Like, even that book she liked so much, The Power of Positive Thinking, mm-hmm. it could have been her other one, The Art of Selfishness, was another one of her, her books that she liked to refer to that basically said one whole parent is better than two that feud. And all yeah. those kids ever had was two that feuded. Although um, anything that I saw about them, I mean, they, they love their parents very much. You know what else, though? It was like the late 60s, early 70s, and teenagers all over the place were mm-hmm. baffling their parents. This isn't just a Lucille Ball problem. I mean... I don't no. think. I think it's like that. that is a major generational split right there. And she just happens to be famous. And so we saw it happening. You yeah. Know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, I totally, I totally agree. 1968 yeah. was huge for that. The times they are a changing. Well, the only place that Lucille ever felt any peace was Aspen, where she had bought a set of condos all on top of each other. So her mother could have one and the servants and secretary another and and Lucille and the kids could have another one and she took up skiing with a vengeance it cleared her mind this is before you could put DJ Khaled in your ears and cruise down it was meditative and dangerous it's the perfect combination so mama downstairs would make pot roast and bring it upstairs with the good smells and everyone looked out of the windows at the falling snow and the ski patrol would wave hi Lucy every night on their way home it was really relaxing. Fireplace <laughs> crackling. I mean, just a feast for the senses, really. But alas, fate. A skiing accident, or should I say someone else's skiing accident, as someone crashed into her and broke her leg in four places, which means Wheelchair City for the last 20 or so episodes of Here's Lucy. <sighs> and here it is, the movie I hate, the one I wish she hadn't done. And in fact, Angela Lansbury was really supposed to have done since she originated on Broadway, but who wanted it? Lucille. And who was a bigger star? Lucille. What movie am I talking about? Mame. (laughs) Well, of course they gave it to her, even though Desi, whose judgment on scripts was almost always spot on, said she was all wrong for the part. 
Well, she was. <laughs> so should we give you, okay, if you, if you aren't familiar with the story, there's a dramatic socialite of a certain age, 50-ish, rich, who also inherits her nephew, about 10 years old. There's a lot of musical numbers. She loses her money in the stock market crash and hijinks ensue as she tries to find a new bow and a new way ahead and tries to be a good mother. And I'm sorry, but if you like this story, you should really watch Auntie Mame with Rosalind Russell. Like nature oh. intended. <laughs> Before it was a musical. Yeah. Although if you're going to watch a musical, you can see bits of Angela Lansbury in it um, on YouTube. There you go. It's it's cringy. <laughs> but when you see Rosalind Russell, you, you do that gesture where you kiss the tips of your fingers and like throw the kiss into the air. It is so good. <laughs> okay, so I cannot recommend anything about this movie, Mame. Nope, nope. I mean... We know she's not a singer and choreography was not her forte. I don't know. It's it's painful to me. Um, real critics were not any more forgiving, I'm sorry to say. And her show, Here's Lucy, was not renewed for its seventh season. The network's choice, not hers. Mm -hmm. But get this. I mean, within that sentence is the fact that her show lasted for six seasons again. I mean, yeah, I don't have a show. I mean, I guess I do have a show that lasts for six seasons. <laughs> Five. I think I'm Vivian in this situation. <laughs> oh my god, that is so funny. I, that just occurred to me right now. That made me laugh. Well, so it's an achievement. I mean, it's three yeah. achievements right in a row. Three shows, six seasons, but decreasing popularity. Yes. yes yeah. Definitely. She turned down driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> me with the music. Sorry. <laughs> well, would that have been a different? move i get that one i could have seen i think i could have seen what oh no mm -hmm. no it was perfect just the way it was no it's good but i'm saying i you know what there's no singing there's no dancing yeah. no. i don't know it could it could have worked it could have worked she turned it down doesn't matter it's an alternate universe i totally disagree <laughs> my favorite jessica tandy movie is not driving miss daisy but is fried green tomatoes at the whistle stop cafe oh yeah that's a good one too I will always love that movie. That's one of my favorites. Okay. Well, life rolled on. Life, some people's lives rolled on. Harriet died. Oh, Harriet. Lucille's mother, Dee Dee, died. Her biggest cheerleader. We never said this before, but Desi and his mom and Lucy and her mom, they were tight. They really took care of their parents. I thought that was sweet. That was very sweet. So yeah. it, was, it hit the family hard when she died. Vivian Vance died of cancer, but not before Lucy could say goodbye. Lucy Jr. married and had children, and there is the sweetest home video of them that we'll link you to. And if you get close to the end, there's a scene of Lucy and of Desi with a baby in the pool. So sweet. And Desi is pretending to play the drum, and he's singing Babaloo to the baby, and the baby's just splashing and so excited. It's very sweet. It's really cute. And Lucille pushes Desi's hair out of his eyes, and you just get this sense of... I mean, love, yes. I just regret and sadness. It's just, it's, it's very and, touching. But, you know, familiarity, because who's going to mess, you know, the only people who are very close to you are going to fix your hair. Well, Lucy filled her days with Scrabble and backgammon. She actually hired a backgammon coach. I couldn't tell you how to hire a backgammon coach. <laughs> well, you wouldn't need one. If you needed one, you'd know. <laughs> I guess. It's it was like competitive backgammon. I was not aware it was a thing. Well, she was very, speaking of competitive, Wheel of Fortune, she will smoke you. <laughs> uh, 
One time she was on Circus with the Stars. Do you remember that one? I don't, but was was she like on some kind of trapeze or a wire uh, or something? I don't remember. <laughs> she formed a friendship with Carol Burnett. You know Carol Burnett. And Carol Burnett had appeared on her show and she appeared on Carol Burnett's show. Well, we need to find a link to that. I remember one where they were both dressed as Carol Burnett's, you know, um, washerwoman figure with her mop and her hair tied up in a in a bandana. Uh-huh. I have a vague, I have. A, I didn't watch that, but I have a vague recollection of literally seeing that and it had to be on the Carol Burnett show. I was too little for Here's Lucy. She sat down with Barbara Walters for an interview. It's all over YouTube. We'll, we'll link you up. But it is so highly filtered. It's just soft, filtered, you know, with lenses. So Barbara looks like she's 12 <laughs> and Lucille looks like she's 50 because at the time she was much older. Um, but it was it's with her and Gary and she's thinking back to her, talking about her life. And she said she married a loser when she talks about Desi. It's like all of a sudden she's like, she was kind of cranky. She's like, I mean, he was a loser. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> They're still kind of in, in communication and it could be that he said something to set her off. You know how they fight. Oh, yeah. It's a bad Desi day. <laughs> you know, he probably just got on her bad side. She's like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. This is where we are right now. That same year, she was named one of the top 10 admired women before Queen Elizabeth II and Mamie Eisenhower. Nice. That's how beloved she still was in the 80s. Well, she mostly, Lucy, hated going out because people would inevitably comment on her age or how she didn't look like real Lucy. People are insensitive. Or other comments that, I mean, they really hurt her to the core. They had soft focused her in MAME and she'd gotten a lot of flack for that. And then here's this new interview where they also put, I don't even know, pantyhose over the lens. Something <laughs> Vaseline that- or something. It is really, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything so highly, fi- it looks like it's foggy is how filtered it is. So she was very, um, very self-conscious about about, you know, the, her most known TV persona was from a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And that's what was fresh in people's mind. And then the reality. And she just didn't like to see people's faces when they reacted that way. Um, there is a book that I read. Because you would think her declining years are kind of sad and this and that. But I was actually quite heartened. I read this book. I'll I'll link you here at the end during the media section. But it's this kind of cousin or son of a cousin of Gary's. Somebody in Gary's family. A young gay man. And she developed this very good friendship. And he often, because Gary didn't want to go somewhere, he'd, he'd take her to dinner or to the theater or whatever. And he took her in the 80s to La Cage on Broadway. That's the show The Birdcage was based on. And somebody found out she was in the audience. And during intermission, the lights came up and someone from the balcony screamed, Lucy, I love you. And then the bus started to go around and everyone saw her and she got a standing ovation at intermission. And she cried and cried and her companion said that she squeezed his hand so hard he couldn't feel it for act two. (laughs) But she just couldn't, she didn't comprehend fully that she was still in people's hearts and things like that really touch. God, I'm getting teary because uh-huh. it just, it like startled her so much. Here she was just going to this show with her friend and it turned out to be a tribute and she was so touched. She could not stop talking about it the rest of the night. So they paid there her is- back for her, her work there and she really felt happy. I'm so mm-hmm. glad. Oh. 
So glad. <laughs> so um, she tried a few more projects. A movie that flopped, a fourth sitcom that flopped so oh, badly. So bad. Oh, it was so bad. She was, uh, again, a widow and a grandmother and half owner of a hardware store with Gail Gordon, who was um, an actor who was in a lot of her shows. Even with Aaron Spelling, who was a superstar TV producer at the time, it totally tanked. She was 75 years old at the time doing this show. It it was not good. Well, yeah, this is how bad it was. The first eight were aired. There were like four more that they had made, but the <laughs> network's like, we're not airing. And there's one, they're like, forget this. We're not even going to film this one. <laughs> well, hmm, that was a blow. That was a blow. And talk about a blow. Desi died only age 69 in 1986. And Lucille fell apart in private. And days after his funeral, which, I mean, I cannot imagine a greater event in her life than Desi's death. She went to Washington, D.C. to receive a Kennedy Center Award from President Ronald Reagan. And if I can play you the tribute song here that B. Arthur and Pam Dauber and Valerie Harper sang to her, uh, I will. During this ceremony, which was aired and taped after Desi died, an actor who had started at Desi Lou got up on stage and read a message from Desi, who was dead, that right. said... Give Lucy 90% of the credit for that show. Divide the other 10% among the rest of us. Lucy was the show. The rest of us were props. Damn good props, but just props. P.S. I Love Lucy was never just a title. I, you can't even listen to that without crying. And imagine it in that situation. Uh, not a dry eye. Well, and then the camera went right to her face, which I was like, give her a minute. Oh, my God. I know. So, yes. Was there even, yeah, was there about waterproof mascara in 1986? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, my goodness. Well, Lucille suffered a stroke at 77, which she she discovered when she felt a heavy object hit her lap and realized it was her arm. Yes. So she pushed through, like a champ, recovery, and was so gratified to be asked to present at the Oscars with Bob Hope in 1989. The year Rain Man won, incidentally, for Best Picture. Uh-huh. Um, so Bob Hope, old friend for decades, who'd been her uh, firmly friend-zoned escort to a lot of industry things after Desi was, you know, gone, no longer in the picture. She got after him backstage. No one cares what you look like. Everybody's going to care what I look like. It's not fair. And she'd punch him on the arm. <laughs> and when they and- walked out on stage... There was a standing standing ovation from the whole room to the point that the show sort of came to a halt. Mm-hmm. Major stars of the industry. You know what? A Broadway audience is one thing. This is major stars backstage and front stage of the movie industry that are mm-hmm. giving her and Bob Hope a standing ovation. She was surprised and so very happy not to be forgotten. It touched her really yeah. deeply. Yeah, and that was actually her last public appearance. Two weeks later, she had a heart attack that landed her in the hospital. And unfortunately, just under two weeks later, 77-year-old Lucille Ball died of an aortic rupture on April 26, 1989. Her death was front page news, front page news all over the world. But her funeral was very quiet with just her family in attendance as she had wished. Yeah, she didn't want any ceremony at all. Um, She was interred, her ashes at Forest Lawn, but she wanted them to have a picnic 
with foods from her childhood that she just loved. It was like ham and baked beans and potato salad and watermelon for just, uh, you know, the closest inner circle in her life. I love that. I do, too. Um, oh, yeah. We're not going to talk about her food preferences, which are straight out of the 50s. Jello, <laughs> ambrosia salad, beans yeah. and weans, which I guess is franks and beans. Beans and weans. Yeah. Beans and weans. Weenies. We already talked about jelly on a cracker. Yeah. That's what I was just thinking. Jelly on a cracker. <laughs> yeah. Her children. I don't know if it was in concert with the opening of the Desi and Lucy Museum in Jamestown. Her children moved her ashes and her mother's to Jamestown, New York. Mm-hmm. And that is where she is now in the path to her gravestone. You're guided there by little red hearts that are painted on the concrete. Aww. And that brings us to the end of Lucy's life. Stay tuned for our media references. The stream of television the day. You've earned a place on history's page. For what you've done for women, we think you know exactly how we feel. We're all here celebrating you. We're all here emulating you. We're all congratulating you, And why don't we just start with books? Let's. You can read Lucille Ball's autobiography. It's um, It was published after her death from her notes, but it's Love Lucy by Lucille Ball. And then I liked, um, there's two biographies here, Ball of Fire, The Tumultuous Life and Comic Art of Lucille Ball by Stefan Kanfer. And, I like that one too. Uh, Lucille, The Life of Lucille Ball by Kathleen Brady is very good. It has a lot of pictures in it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you I, know what? Another one that had a lot, a lot, a lot of pictures is um, Laughing with Lucy by Madeline Davis, who was a writer with Lucille for years. And um, it almost reads like a adult storybook because there's so many pictures uh, that go with it that I hadn't seen before. So I thought that one was pretty good. And for coverage of the famous relationship, there is Lucy and Desi, the legendary life story of television's most famous couple by Warren G. Harris, which is actually on Audible right now, if you remember. Um, and then the book I was referencing earlier that includes the Lacage story is I Loved Lucy, My Friendship with Lucille Ball by Lee Tannen. Yeah, I, I read that one too. I, I like that one too. I liked all the books I read this time. I, there wasn't one that I was like, uh, hmm. And there's two reference books. This depends on how um, how into it you really are. <laughs> there's a book called The Lucy Book, A Complete Guide to Her Five Decades on Television. That is an episode by episode coverage of every show she's been on, um, including specials. Every episode of all three, well, four, actually, of her shows. Um, yeah. By Jeffrey Mark Feitelman. I'm sure every diehard Lucille Ball fan already has that on their bookshelf. <laughs> Well, and then there is a similar but much more coffee table book, oh my goodness, called Lucy at the Movies, which includes screenshots and behind the scenes um, of all of her movies throughout her whole life. The um, the TV one doesn't really have any photos, but this one sure does. Wow. By Cindy De La Haas. Oh, I didn't get that one. Now I'm going to go to the library and look at it. It's a giant black and white coffee table book. It's oh, wow. It's really good and heavy. Okay, cool. Websites? Sure. 
Okay. The Lucy Desi Center for Comedy, which is um, in Jamestown, New York. If you want to go to the Lucille Ball Museum, that's it. It's in Jamestown, which is like Lucille Central. But they have a website and you can uh, poke around on there and see the things, they, some of the memorabilia. Uh, you can actually, if you're there, you can have a party in recreated Tropicana sets. <laughs> or there's a recreated the bedroom and the apartment for, from the show. Uh, there's a hands-on Vitamita Vegemin exhibit. <laughs> Can you taste it? I don't know. I didn't go. <laughs> but that would be really cool. And they also put on the Lucille Ball Comedy Festival every summer in Jamestown. And this summer, it's August 3rd through 6th. And I don't know if this is the same place, but it's under the same umbrella. There is a place called the National Comedy Center, nationalcomedycenter.org, <laughs> yeah, that um, operates that. I think it right. operates that festival. So Yeah, it's, all, it's under the same um, banner, I believe, because I have it all together. <laughs> so, and so. then, as always, I like to point you to the TV Tropes page. Now, the TV Tropes page does make mention that I Love Lucy originated a lot of tropes. So things you think are overdone, not her fault, you know. <laughs> she did it first. <laughs> the entry is so long. If you want to fall down a Lucille Ball rabbit hole, go there. We'll link you up. There is a thing on Screen Rant about pilots that were different than the shows that followed them. And um, I Love Lucy is included in that. I am going to link you to a lyrics page for not only the theme song, but other Desi songs. I think I'm going to play the theme song to I Love Lucy with the words at the end of this. I think I'm going to do that. Oh, that's good. Um, What else? Well, obviously, the Vita Meet a Vegemin video and the Lucy Tells Ricky They're Having a Baby video. We'll link you up, but there's a whole first season um of videos on youtube i mean she lives on and on and on well and not the least of which is that video with desi and lucille together with their grandchild simon in the pool which mm -hmm. honestly brought tears to my eyes in the same place more comedically is a treatise on how angela lansbury was robbed of mame there is a man that is very very into that situation and so he'll tell you all about it <gasps> I thought that was really, I learned a lot about theater watching that one. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, because I'm not, a, you know, I'm not a theater person. You probably didn't, but are we at the statue yet? Yeah, we're at the statue. Okay. In 2009, her hometown of Jamestown unveiled a statue that was horrendous. It was immediately <laughs> labeled Scary Lucy. And if I, obviously we'll give you a picture of it, but if I had to say anything, it was like a combination of Eleanor Roosevelt and a horse and <laughs> <laughs> some type of alien. It was horrible. Maybe like Walking Dead. There was like a Walking Dead, the dead element to it. It was so bad. Um, <laughs> it took them five years and a contest to find out who's going to redo the statue but a better statue was unveiled it's 50s lucy and it is perfect here's the really cool thing it's 75 yards from scary lucy they didn't take scary lucy down well scary lucy is now a fixture she's important now she's part of the history i actually was going to ask you what happened to scary lucy i hope she didn't get melted down no she's still up <laughs> because there's so much traffic that came to see her. Also, Lucille has two stars on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. She does. Um, there is word that Kate Blanchett is going to be starring in a biopic. It was announced a while back. I haven't found anything that says it's filming. Did you? Mm -mm. 
No. It would be great. I think she'd be really good. I think she's good in everything. She is one of those actors that does not, in fact, play herself and nothing but herself every time. She's able to inhabit her parts. Yeah. Like, we've talked about this before. Like, Julia Roberts is always Julia Roberts. The end. There's no, like, she doesn't play a character. It's, oh, look, who it is in this movie. (laughs) You mean kind of like Lucille Ball? Well, on her team, yes, I actually do. Yeah, <laughs> Lucy, you can add that to your to your rant. Lucille Ball is always Lucille Ball. I wonder why that is. Also, theoretically, that script is written by Aaron Sorkin, who also wrote The West Wing, so it's probably going to be a super good script. Well, I uh, I think that's all I have. There is um, commemorative stamps and things. There's tons of pictures and links on the Pinterest board. Um, things that there just isn't room or something we'd want to lead you to the source material on. We've got it all on the Pinterest board. And I have to tell you, Lucille Ball is probably the second easiest person to pin. <laughs> yeah, you've been making pins for her for a very long time. Well, and well, do you want to guess who the easiest person is? It's not something that you would think. I don't I don't know. Um, I would think Elizabeth Taylor. No, Little Red Riding Hood. Seriously. Is the I mean, you cannot you I mean, I I have often had to just stop like even though I find them cool because honestly, I I don't want to inundate with but yeah, tons of artists are inspired by that. Yeah. I'm going to have to go check out your board on that again. Um, TV Guide, which is no more, but at the time <laughs> of its 50th anniversary of I Love Lucy, it voted her the greatest TV star of all time. Oh, well, she was on more covers than anybody else. I know. That's something. There's also a Google Doodle from 2011, and we will link that up also on the Pinterest or maybe on the website. Okay. I don't want to put this on the the links for the show, so you can just go look for it yourself. There is a uh, series on YouTube that goes to look at paranormal things, and supposedly Lucille Ball's ghost is haunting something, so you can go with the ghost hunters, and I'm not saying that offensively, I don't really know what they're called, Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) paranormal experts uh, to seek out Lucy's ghost. It's on YouTube. There's a whole series. it's, It's a thing. And that brings us to the end of our coverage of Lucille Ball. Lucille was an amazing and groundbreaking woman. Her comedic presence paved the way for the current comedic actresses plus businesswomen like Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She was the first woman to run a major television studio. Her characters reflected an influenced culture. Everybody loves Lucy, and we do too. Thanks for everything you did. Thanks for listening. Bye. I love Lucy and she loves me. We're as happy as two can be. Sometimes we quarrel, but then (laughs) how we love making up again. Lucy kisses like no one can. She's my missus and I'm her man. And life is hell.